everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Good morning. All right. This is going to be a new era for the morning show. What are you talking about? What does that even mean? You know. <laughs> it's a new era. You know. Taking it to the next level. Yeah, it's time to take it to the next level. And why would we do that? There are going to be some great parties. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's the weekend. All right, then. Let's get this party started. I don't want this Saturday. Bringing you all the news and the newsmakers on News Talk 1480 WHBC. Good morning. It's Saturday morning, 31 degrees outside. So there was a little frost on the windshield this morning when I was heading in. But it's nice and sunny outside, and there's still a lot of leaves to be picked up this morning. Uh, We've got a lot of great news coming out of Stark County. We have the Maslin Tigers. They won their game last night. Very, very impressive. Heading off to the state championship next week. And what we want to do is get uh, Mayor Kathy Catazero-Perry on the line because I know they got a lot of great things going on in Maslin. And uh, and one of those things is their future state champions in Maslin, the Maslin Tigers. Um, they had uh, played Maslin. Uh, Maslin played Akron Hoban. This, this will be the fifth time they played, right, John? I believe so. I'd have to look back through everything. I know that they played uh, twice in the playoffs, and then they've um, also played, uh, additionally, they they played once in a regular season game a few years back, and I, I know that they've maybe met one other time other than that. But uh, last two times, they've split. Uh, last year, Maslin winning by three. The year before that in the state title, Hoban winning by uh, 14. And, uh, of course, next week, next Friday, they uh, meet in Columbus for you know, all of the hardware and Maslin tries to finally get that monkey off their back of winning a title on the field, something that they have not been able to do in the playoff era. Yeah. And see, well, you know, what impresses me most about all, all of this is that when you look at those players and the team, you got all this stress that's going on in life and yet they're focusing and they've got purpose and meaning on something that transcends the stressors that people are going through in life. And that's really what makes a difference is that, you know, how do you handle stress? How do you cope with things? You do it through purpose and meaning. And they've got a lot of purpose and meaning over there in Maslin as they're pursuing the state championship. It'll be their fourth meeting. Maslin has won two of them. Hoban has won one. The other one took place like back in, I want to say like 2013 or 14, somewhere in there. It was a regular season game. So it's been it's been really more recent here that it's been a bigger rivalry. See, and that's, I'll tell you, that's what's, uh, that's what excites people, you know? Let's, let's see if we can get um, 
Mayor Kathy Catazero Perry on the line because uh, Kathy is um, she's really really excited about what's going on in Maslin and they had a great great game last night and it really came down to the wire and uh, I'll tell you very very impressive but and we're also going to be talking uh, today too when you look at uh, how to overcome stress we're going to have the Walsh University president he's going to be on the line here this morning also at uh, about 9.30, and they've got great things going on out at Walsh University. He is a former jet pilot, former jet pilot, pilot, fighter pilot. And when you talk about overcoming stress and training up the next generation, he knows exactly how to do it. And, uh, and that's what we need right now. We need to find new outlets, new ways to manage our stress. And, uh, and they're doing that out there in Maslin. So we're going to get uh, Mayor Kathy Catazero-Perry. We're going to get her on the line. We're going to be talking about uh, how they're, how they're uh, bringing up championship football players in Maslin. And then uh, later in the show, we're going to, have, um, going to have a gentleman that started a new talent, which is painting. He was painting, and uh, he's an attorney, started painting, and now he has an incredible, incredible skill. Um, his name's Todd Berger, and uh, Todd has and just took up this, this uh, artwork on painting. And now if you look at his artwork that he has posted on Facebook, I mean, it is absolutely incredible. So we're going to get him on at uh, a little bit after the 10 o'clock hour. And, uh, and then we're going to talk about a Stanford News article that came out about how a researcher had dedicated most of her life uh, telling people that stress is bad for them, but then with the new research that they found, stress is actually good. Okay, well, now we've got uh, Mayor Kathy Catazero-Perry. She's on the line. Mayor, how are you this morning? I'm doing fabulous this morning. How are you? I'm doing great. So you had great news coming out of uh, your football team recently. Oh, my gosh. What a game last night. It came down to the wire, didn't it? It did. It certainly did. And uh, you know what's most impressive is you see all the stress that that people are going through. Um, You know, there's uh, Dr. Amy Acton, uh, the former... uh, staff member for Governor DeWine said that really there's a new pandemic, which is the pandemic of fear, which actually can be more problematic than the virus itself. But what I love about what you're doing in Maslin and with your community and your football team is you are all transcending those issues of fears and and other concerns, and you're thriving under pressure. Well, uh, our team has worked hard. Uh, you know, every year, Coach Moore and all the coaching staff, they've worked very hard. And uh, so uh, I, I want them to take it all the way this year. They, they've earned it. And then this will be, so the last time they won the state championship was in 1970, but you've come real close. Uh, when 2018, the team took second, right? And that was to Hoban. And then, and then the last time they won it was 1970. So it'd be it'd be really nice to bring home a championship, uh, state championship, wouldn't it? Oh, you know what? Our town will just erupt uh, if that should happen. And 
you know, I think it's our turn to, to beat Hoban and we've got the team, we've got the defense, we've got the offense. Uh, so I think it's our year. Now, is it true that, uh, Every baby that is born, every Maslin resident that is born, a new baby in Maslin, that they get a football. Is that still, you know, I've, I've heard that, that if you are. Yes, that is still true. That is true. <laughs> so that's how you keep that winning football tradition. Every newborn baby gets a football. Well, Maslin is very rich in history and tradition. And um, so we try to do things like they did way back when. Uh, having our parade, we have our bonfire, we have pep rallies, uh, we have a kickoff rally. So we really do, uh, you know, really try to live um, with our traditions. Yeah, and then uh, and, and also along with the success that your football uh, team is having, you guys are having a lot of success out in Maslin with all the new projects that you've got going on. I mean, you've got your streets that are being paved, the city finances are in order, and this has been a long road uh, for you and the city. For you particularly as mayor but uh how did you how did you get through that well um one of the things that i think the way we got through it was great people uh surround yourself with great people which is what we did uh, we've had um, everybody working towards the same goal of getting ourselves out of uh, debt paying off our bills and we were able to do that by working as a team and, what, and, and at one point, you had less than, what, $400 or $500 in the bank account in the city? That's correct. And that was a number of years ago. And, and, now, you've, and now you really are, um, you've got enough, enough money in the bank to get the roads paved. And, that, and there was a period of time where you didn't really, where you were not able to even pave the roads, correct? That's correct. We could only use our community development block grant dollars to pave our, the target streets which was a very, very small amount. That was our road paving project for the year. Um, <laughs> but with our gracious residents, we were able to pass a two-tenths of a percent uh, income tax that goes straight to our street department. And we're going to be bringing that back uh, next year because we need to renew that and uh, continue that levy to continue paving our roads. But the people are seeing the benefit from it, right? I mean, I, I know the last time that I drove through Maslin, you look at the newly paved roads, especially, uh, you know, just in, in the main area there towards City Hall. It looks beautiful. Thank you. Um, you know, we have been able to do over 300, excuse me, $3 million this year on our roads. That's a significant amount of money. And, you know, we have six wards in the city of Maslin, so we always try to divide it up uh, as equal as we can, and you know how difficult that is, but as equal as we can, so that every ward is benefiting somewhere in the road paving project. But without this road levy, uh, the two-tenths of a, a percent income tax, um, we won't, we'll go back to target streets. And so we don't want to do that. Um, we committed over to put a million dollars on our roads through the income tax, and we've been able to to do that and more. That is fantastic. And then also you have, uh, you've made improvements too uh, to your parks, right? You have uh, yes. that beautiful uh, Maslin Recreation Center. Uh, yes. And David, I will share with you, I received an email this past week from a gentleman that comes down to the rec center from Canal Fulton and just wanted to compliment Maslin on their roads. 
Uh, so we really appreciate those types of comments and people that do use our facilities. So, uh, you know, we are heading in the right direction. We have more work to do, uh, but we are certainly heading in the right direction. Well, you know, as the mayor, that when you have a street that you, that is newly paved, uh, isn't it interesting how once you get new curb and gutter and road paving, then you see that people start making improvements to their homes and to their yards. It's it's like uh, it, it becomes contagious. Improvement becomes contagious to the to the local residents. It certainly does. It certainly does. And I want to just say we have one gentleman um, that does not live in our city, but is buying up. Uh, properties, and his name is Jeff Dahl, and he is really uh, investing in the city of Mass, and we appreciate that. He's buying buildings and renovating them, and uh, and that happened because of all the improvements in Massland. Uh, so we are open for business in Massland. Please, if you want to come down and buy some of our buildings uh, and renovate them, uh, the city of Massland is on the move, and, and we're we're welcoming anyone that wants to be part of this transitional period. And it's really when you have, you see municipalities uh, right now, it can be a real struggle. But what you're doing is you're thriving under the pressure. I mean, you're, you're rehabilitating the city, you're, you're paving the roads, uh, renovating the buildings, and, and that's what brings the jobs. Yes, and it's an exciting time for Maslin. We had a hard time uh, nine years ago when I first took office, uh, but you know, it's been it's been everybody has put their heart and soul into turning this around for our city. We're a very proud city. And so I just want to thank everyone for all their efforts uh, in improving Maslin. Well, Mayor Kathy Catazero Perry, we are so glad to have you on the program. Very impressed with the work you're doing out in Maslin. And uh, and and most recently with the success of your football team, I know it's just uh, bringing a great boost of enthusiasm to the whole Maslin community and to Stark County, too. Oh, thank you. And, you know, I had people from McKinley tell me they were rooting for the Tigers, and, and thank you to Canton. We appreciate that as well. Absolutely. Well, thank you for joining us, Mayor. And, okay. Uh, and have a great day. We're going to be back go, here. Go Tigers, beat Hoban. Go Tigers, beat Hoban. We're going to take a break, and uh, when we come back later in the show, we're going to be talking with the Walsh University President, Tim Collins. I don't want this Saturday Good morning. It's Saturday morning. It's 33 degrees outside, but it's nice and sunny. And uh, we know that a lot of people are going through a lot of different stressors, uh, particularly with what's going on. You, you turn on the news and you just hear the whole COVID thing. It gets a little crazy. And, uh, but you know, there's a lot of people that are learning to thrive under stress and not only learning to thrive under stress, but at the same time, uh, they're teaching our young people how to overcome stress and thrive under pressure. And one of our local leaders, our Walsh University president, Dr. Tim Collins, the new Walsh president, is teaching our young men and women how to thrive under pressure. Dr. Collins, how are you today? 
David, good morning. Happy Saturday from Walsh University, and thank you so much for having us this morning. Well, you're you're great to have on. You're like a breath of fresh air, because I'll tell you, when, when you look at what's going on in the world right now, things uh, seem to be turning upside down, but, you know, we need uh, individuals that bring that stability and, more importantly, are able to train up our young men and women how to handle the pressures of life and uh, and get an education, and that's what you're doing out at Walsh. And and tell us, you know, what what are some of the techniques that you that you use with your students to uh, to help them improve? Because you've you've used these techniques uh, and these strategies back when you were serving as a, a senior officer in the United States Air Force, and you were training young pilots, right? Yeah, right, David. Thank you. So, of course, our mission here is to build leaders in service to others. And so we're very focused on the fact that, you know, when you're doing things for other people, you have to make sacrifices along the way. And when you're doing things for the common good, you have to put the needs of others above those of yourselves. So this is the environment we find ourselves in here with this whole COVID situation. So our strategies start with understanding that service demand requires the fact that you have to make choices that aren't necessarily in your own best interest. The second thing is, is that when you're, when you're going to go through the process of decision-making with an, in an area where you have more unknowns than, than you have knowns, you have to talk to each other. We have to be able to dialogue with each other. We have to have conversation with each other. We can't just all go to our separate corners and demand it's my way or the highway. So this idea that we're engaged with others is very important. That's a little counterculture right now to what we're doing in COVID. You know, I think we've had a chance to talk about it before. This this discussion of social distancing, Walsh University takes the stance, I take the stance, that that's actually not exactly the way we should think about it. We should have some physical distancing, some facial distancing, but we ought not to separate from each other. So being engaged with each other, if you're doing that, David, that's the overarching strategy to overcoming any stress, any problem, anything you have. Talk with others. Talk with other people. Because really, when you become isolated and you become by yourself, that's really when when people become most vulnerable, right? It is, because, of course, when you're by yourself, now you're selfish. The only thing that's important to you is you. So here at Walsh University, you know, we've been together since the 1st of August. We reawakened the campus. Less than 3% of our population has tested positive over the last four, four months or so. Um, nobody's been hospitalized. So what we've done is we've been talking about what are all the best practices, the procedures that we need to do to keep each other healthy, to keep each other safe, to make sure we ensure we have student success. We've been doing that. We've been doing it just exceptionally well. It works. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's where we're at. We continue to remind our students, seven to remember as our mon- mantra on how we think about that. But, you know, the governor has come on. Ohio's got a real challenge right now. We, we still have a lot of unknowns. The governor's asked us if we would consider, you know, making a change to the remote environment. Walsh University has been ready all the time. When you're dealing with stress, it's also about understanding you have options. There's not usually just one path. You have to make a choice. And as leaders serving others, you might have to make the choice for them. So we've looked at it. We're, we're, of course, understand we're a community inside of other communities. Again, this goes back to this idea of service, which is one of our five foundational core values. So we have switched, David, um, right after Thanksgiving. We'll go all remote. Our students, if they want to go home and stay home, then they can. If our students want to stay here, we encourage them to stay through the Thanksgiving break. You know, they can. 
and we'll take care of that. But again, we have to stay engaged with each other. We cannot just go get isolated is the right word, David. We want to avoid isolation at all costs because that, in fact, increases the stress. That does not lower it. And you know what's interesting, too, the last time that we spoke, you said that, that we started out with the pandemic of COVID the, uh, you know, initially, and then it turned into an additional pandemic of fear, and now it's become a pandemic of mental health. And I think it's really because of, of how people are approaching this, and maybe they're not quite equipped to, uh, you know, with, with the right strategies and the, and the approaches to, to deal with the stress, and, and that's really what you're equipping your students to do, right? It is, David. That third pandemic, the one with mental health, it's real. Look, all of us are feeling the stress. None of us like this. This is, this is different for us. And this is why language is important. And this is why the liberal arts, we spend so much time, you know, talking about communications and language and how we think and what is it that drives us? How do we understand that? We try not to just, you know, narrow it down to just job preparation. We're trying to prepare our students for their life's preparation. So when it comes to language, I think, you know, the country, we stumbled on the language. We didn't really think our way through this. We took something that sounded cute, but we didn't really understand what the implications were that. And this is an important part for all leaders. We drive this home with our students. Every choice you make, every decision you make, there's a nose on the other end of this. So you want to make sure you've thought your way through this carefully, you reflected, you understand what the core principles are, you understand how you are to serve. And so social distancing has been the core, the kernel that's created most of the problems that we have with uh, the mental health, with the stress that we have in the country. If we just started with physical distancing, people would have thought about this differently. And we're trying to take 330 million Americans, in our case, and orient the way they think. So it's just so important. So I think the country should jettison, abandon, stop saying social distancing. We're only adding fuel to the fire. You're right. And instead of saying social distancing, you want them to say? Physical distancing. And more to the point, I want to say Facial distancing. Don't get in each other's face. This is where the real problem is. You can be back to back and there's like zero chance you're going to transmit COVID if you're standing there back to back. I don't care if you're touching each other, but it's the face to face and then the physical distancing. And then, of course, all the other protocols that you know we're all trying to do. We're not exactly sure what's going to work. And that's part of leadership. That's operating the unknown. But you have to use your brain, use your head, how to think, what, what makes sense, what's logical. Americans ought not to surrender logic. We're all required to think. We're all required to make decisions on our own. And then you have to try a little, build a little experimental. Some of these will work, some won't. And then recognize what you don't have. You know, we have almost eight months now of data. This is not March, David. We have eight months of data in COVID. So we should have a better understanding of what's working, what's not working, and not act as if this just came upon us and we don't know anything. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, it's, it's really interesting, too, that you bring up the importance of language and how language in and of itself, really, how it affects our mind, how it affects our behavior. You know, it's just like, uh, you know, when you're training uh, uh, fighter pilots, right, in the Air Force. I mean, you know, you're, you're telling them to focus on the road ahead. I mean, be aware of the obstacles. When, when I was teaching my, uh, my son to drive for the first time, this was, gosh, probably nine years ago, I wasn't telling him to look at the barriers along the road. It's like, look at the road ahead. Right. Be aware of the side view, rear view mirrors, but look at the road ahead where you're going. Is that? Yeah, I'll give you a, I'll give you a perfect example in the fighter world. You know, when they shoot a missile at me at a fighter 
and I look out the wing, I look out the window, and I see they're shooting a missile at my wingman, I don't say, hey, turn right, or could you get out of the way? I say, break right. I mean, break. That's the only word. And because we, we act, you know, subliminally, we act on the words as we understand them to be. So if you don't have time to go through the whole process of defining it, you've got to make sure the word you choose the first time is the right word. The right word. You've you got to have that, that positive direction. Make your Absolutely. message clear and simple. So if you have, you know, if you, if you have people out there like, uh, you know, with your students, because also, you know, students, they're young and they're and, you know, their minds are still their brains are still developing and they're they're learning new skills. And if you have a student that is struggling and maybe they're they're struggling with anxiety and depression, what what are some of the things that that you would share with them? Yeah, so the first thing I would say to everybody listening, David, thank you for bringing this up. Everybody listening, we should be aware. We should learn about what are the signs of those stressors when you look in people. You know, we talk a lot about, you know, how can you tell if someone's having a stroke? And so most people know, you know, the smile or the face or, you know, all the different mnemonics that we use. But I would encourage people to go to save.org, S-A-V-E. You know, understand what the stressors are for people that are getting right to the brink where they can no longer handle the stress. And that leads to, you know, problems where they make decisions to take their own life, which is just a tragedy in every way, shape, and form. Mm -hmm. None of this is so severe that we can't get over it, but all of it is very severe if we don't work with each other. So, first of all, at Washington University, the most important thing is we want to remain connected. That's why physical distancing is the only part of this. It has nothing to do with the emotional connections or the social connections. And so we want to make sure we're engaged with our students. So we, like in the residence halls, David, we have the, res, the RAs are required, required to check in, touch, look in the eyeballs of every student at least once or twice a week. And we're all busy. We're all going different directions. Our faculty are, are spending time when they're talking in the classroom. They're actually wandering around, looking in the eyes, seeing how people are doing. We're trying to make sure that we recognize changes in pattern. If those students have come to eat dinner every night at 6 o'clock, and now maybe they're not there, someone is going to say, where are they? They're normally here right now. Someone's late, and they're not normally late. Hey, why are you late? We're looking for changes in behavior. These are signals that the stress is getting too much, and they're basically they're, they're imploding, if you will. They're pulling back. They're pulling in. And what we have to do is we have to reach down, reach in, and pull them up and let them know that we're here. So it's all about staying connected. It's not just enough to do it on the text messaging or the emailing. Telephone calls help. But here at Walsh University, particularly for our, our commuter students, our residential students, we want to physically look them in the eye and see what's going on and talk to them. So it's really just like, uh, you know, the, the illustration of a shepherd who knows his flock, right? When you, when you yeah, understand exactly. everyone, every individual in your flock, every student, and you see one that is not there, you go and look for them, right? Right, you do, and you recognize, but you have to look at the subtle things. You know, if you have someone who's normally, you know, pretty lighthearted, and now they're getting a little serious, it's, it's worth checking out, well, is that just because you have a big project, or is it more than that? And it is understanding that stress is here for all of us. There's no one anywhere in America, probably the world, it's not feeling a little bit of distress right. if they're at all tuned into what's going on. So we're all feeling it. But you don't want to be like you're in the boat. It's got a hole in it, and the boat is all going down, and we're all going down together, and you don't realize that, you know, you're going down. So I think we want to look at each other and help, you know, pull everybody up. Let's Look, life is great. Life is wonderful. And there's still so much that we can do. There's still so much that we are doing. We have to fight this. We have to fight this virus that we cannot see. But just like we fight the flu, just like we fight – 
fight pneumonia, just like we fight everything else, because the world is not perfect. It's not utopia here. But this is all doable. You know, we wouldn't be where we are in the history of mankind if we weren't able to overcome lots and lots and lots of tragedies. You know, from the Catholic perspective, I'll just say the faith-based institution, faith-based independent institution, there's a lot of things that make us uncomfortable in the world. But, you know, we've gone through that before. This is not new. This is just the one that's teed up for us. Absolutely. We're talking to Dr. Tim Collins, and he is the new Walsh University president. And you can tell just by talking and listening to Dr. Collins, he's got a lot of energy, a lot of energy. And, you know, it's interesting, Dr. Collins, because they there's a there was a study out of Stanford. And uh, one of the researchers out there for years, she was talking about how stress is a bad thing for your health and all the negative things of stress and and she actually, you know, had confessed in the most uh, recent years that the advice that she was giving people about stress was wrong. She said that right. really it's about embracing stress and how you view stress actually determines how your body and your mind uh, develops. And and yeah. I mean, it's it's uh, it's it's really counterintuitive. It's uh, but but really it's 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 expecting that you're going to run into a challenge, just like what you're saying. And that's what you're telling your students. And, of course, this is something that, you know, America has to understand. The colleges and universities, you know, invented 932 years ago by the Catholic Church. We understand that a little bit of stress actually makes you perform better. That's why we've had tests. It actually draws it out of you. I know myself from my Air Force experience, you know, when they're shooting at me, I'm on my best game. I mean, it's it's not a time to be lulled back into complacency, for crying out loud. Now it's it's showtime. (laughs) So it's the same thing here at Walsh University, you know, when it's finals, when it's midterms, when you're standing up and giving your presentation. That's when you're actually at your best. It serves as a little bit of adrenaline. Yes. It gets you going. Everybody needs a little bit of stress, but you have to manage it. And so it's, it's a lot about managing stress. You have to manage your emotions. You have to manage your time. You have to manage your stress. And that's why we're focused on the whole person here. That's why physical development, that's why intramurals or intercollegiate activities. It can't just all be about academics. It has to be about everything else. Well, you know, people are talking about, uh, you know, getting a vaccine, right, for the COVID. And you are talking about stress inoculation, inoculating stress through training and, and managing your mindset and embracing the stress. And that's what you're teaching the students. Now, have you seen, uh, I'm sure you've seen a big difference with the students, especially because you do have a sense of humor, too, because I was looking at the video where you were (laughs) undercover. And if anybody wants to get a good laugh, just go to the Walsh University website, and you can see Dr. Tim Collins with a wig going undercover. Uh, That in and of itself will make anybody laugh. Uh, how did that go when you're doing uh, doing undercover? And then you're doing a uh, push-up contest with the football players too, right? Yeah, all of that. So we have a YouTube channel, the Walsh University YouTube channel. That's probably the best place to We have all the videos there. Look, humor is very much a part of our life. We have to enjoy this. And you can, you can talk a lot. You can send a lot of messages if you can you know, do it through humor. And humor is a great way to reduce stress. Think of, think of a campfire, David. Think of all the problems for all of mankind that have been solved over a campfire. Think of the stress of the Civil War. They're fighting each other. It's really hard. They've got terrible conditions. And at nighttime, on both sides of the line, there's a campfire, and we're all trying to figure this out. So I think humor is as important as everything else. It is, it is a natural human reaction to have fun, 
to enjoy life, to right. you know, find <laughs> happiness. And so, you know, we just want to make sure at Walsh University we don't take ourselves too seriously because leaders can't take themselves too seriously. They have to be able to understand that the very first virtue that's most important that all the mystics tell us, this, all the saints tell us, this, is this gift of humil- humility. So you have right. to be able to laugh at yourself and you- understand, you know, I'm not perfect, and so let's have a little bit of fun with this. What a knucklehead I was. <laughs> And, you know, and when you talk about humility, too, that doesn't mean that, uh, you know, that um, that doesn't mean that you cannot be confident in your skills. It's just understanding that your your skills and ability that you may become uh, confident in that there's, you know, there's an ultimately there's a limiting factor to it. Right. That that we are not in total control. Right. We are not in total control. The world does not revolve around me. That's, that's what humility is. It has nothing to do with being confident, being proficient, about trying hard, about trying to be your best, about trying to do you know, all that you can to achieve your goal. It doesn't mean that you shouldn't have goals. It doesn't mean that you should move towards higher things. I mean, as we go along, we're going to actually gain capability. And certainly as we're trying to teach our students, as you, you know, learn more and you become stronger in your leadership here in this leadership laboratory that we have called Walsh University in North Canton, Ohio, by the time you're a senior, you're in a completely different place. You can be as humble as you were when you were the freshman football star, you were the freshman, you know, winner of whatever in high school, you know, eight years later, if it's just a traditional path. But you can still do all of that and recognize that, you know, it's not about me. It's about you. Absolutely. Now, how do you keep, uh, so with athletes, just like with athletes, celebrities, anybody that's in a, in a position of uh, being popular for, for their skill set, how do you teach that to the athletes, that, uh, you know, that, that quality of humility, especially we when they're it. winning? Yeah, absolutely, David. We, we teach, you know, good sportsmanship in this context, but in sports, we teach it in the way we live our lives. We model it for our students, our faculty, our staff, all across Cab Nation. We sort of have this fundamental understanding that our students would rather see a lecture than hear one. Mm-hmm. So we are, we are mindful about living how we are trying to teach them to live. Okay, and, and one last question here. How important is purpose when you are, when you are trying to get through uh, a stressful period? Purpose is everything. Purpose is your North Star. Purpose is understanding what you're trying to get done. Purpose is what drives you through those stressors. It's what drives you through the confusion. It's what drives you through the um, uncertainty. Think about you're trying to go from here to Columbus, Ohio, in the middle of winter, and it's snowing. You've got to get through the snow, but you're going to keep going. You're going to keep driving. You're going to keep moving because you're trying to get someplace. So you want to understand what your purpose is. Look, if you don't know where you're going, you're never going to get there. So you got to identify your purpose. So we have Dr. Tim Collins on the line. And Dr. Tim, as, as we're closing out here, what what would you say to all of our listeners out there that are, that, you know, just everybody's struggling with stress and, and, you know, hearing of all these, this fear and so forth, and we can't live in fear. What would you, what would you want to share with them? What I would want to share with them, first of all, is do not break your relationships. You have to fight harder in this environment to keep them, but relationships are the most important thing you have. It gives you your purpose for living, frankly, is because you're to have, you want to be in relationship with others. So fight this urge to go off by yourself. 
use technology to help you. The, the research is showing that the more connected our students are becoming with the technologies, the more separated they are actually becoming, the more isolated they're becoming. So we as a country have to recognize, you know, this is actually working at a counter purpose. So we need to talk about that and understand that and then keep the faith. Look, there's something bigger than all of us. The transcendent one is still there. We have to fight through this. You know, re keep the faith. Keep your chin up. America has gone through tougher times than Absolutely. And then we're also going to get rid of the term social distancing, right? And and we're going to talk about physical. Okay. So uh, Dr. Tim Collins, we just lost him, but, uh, you know, what an inspiring man. He's got a lot of energy and uh, he, he's just making a big difference out at Walsh University. And he said that really the social distancing is something that uh, really we should uh, abandon that terminology, that it's really the physical distance. Just don't be in each other's face so that you're not, uh, you know, having those respiratory droplets uh, spreading. And uh, so when we come back, we're going to be talking with uh, Todd Bergert. He is a local attorney who actually turned to painting in order to uh, uh, manage uh, stress in his life and, uh, now he's very successful. This is David Held. It's Saturday morning. You're listening to News Talk 1480. We're your social distancing morning show. So back off six feet and enjoy this show. The weekend. For the weekend. Stop taking work home on the weekends. What's next? It's a new era. Keep listening to find out. Saturday. 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 Thanks for listening to Canton's Place for news and talk. Let's go have some fun. We like to have fun. We're entertainers. That's what we do. Okay, the show's about to start. Let's get ready. Let's start the show. Showtime. On News Talk 1480 WHBC. Good morning. It's Saturday morning and it's starting to warm up it's 35 degrees and it's nice and sunny outside there's a lot of beautiful leaves out there that i'm sure a lot of you are going to be getting out there to clean up those leaves and you can take them to one of your local drop-off sites leaf recycling drop-off sites we have them throughout stark county and uh, you know we're talking about different ways that we can cope with stress there's a lot of stress anybody who is alive and breathing is having uh, stress of some sort, and uh, and there's probably more than what we've usually had given the uh, the whole uh, pandemic. And we're not gonna we're not gonna use the word social distancing anymore. We're gonna use physical distance because really what we need to do is continue to communicate with other people and build our relationships because that's what helps us to reduce the stress. But at the same time, we want to stay safe, so we just want to stay out of everyone's faces. And speaking of faces, I have uh, a local attorney who um, decided to take up painting and never really painted very much. And now he's painting portraits, faces of individuals, and, uh, and just incredible, incredible artwork. And we have him on the line here with us now, Todd Berger. Todd, how are you today? Hey, Dave. Good. How are you? I'm doing really well. So tell us about... Um, you know, you've been an attorney for how many years? Uh, you know, uh, 30, 30 years, 30 years. 30 years. Yep. Okay. And, uh, and did you ever take many art classes in, in high school or college or did you have any interest in art? No. Um, you know, just the typical classes in high school that everybody had to take, uh, back in the early eighties, I guess, but nothing in addition 
Now, like, did you did you think you were were you a good were you good at drawing or were you somebody that would doodle no. a lot? And so no. You you had no, no no knowledge at all that you had this ability to paint. No, no. no. Um, luckily, I had some good teachers, which I'm sure we'll talk about. But uh, no, no uh, indication. None at all. Okay, so when so so then you just you just woke up one morning and said I'm going to start painting or what? How did how did you get going? Well, you know I I'm 55 now, so probably about five years ago the career is you know kind of going fine and the kids are getting older and I finally have some time for myself and so I tried some other things. I tried uh, guitar playing and was terrible because I'd never practiced. Nice guy, nice teacher, but uh, just never practiced. I, I still honestly couldn't do a chord if my life depended on it, and I tried golfing, and I hated it, um, you know, I was terrible at that, and a couple other things, and then, uh, I guess just about three or four years ago, I saw George uh, Bush, George W. Bush, uh, he started painting after he left the office, mm-hmm. and I think at the same time, I also saw, I started following Anthony Hopkins on a social media account, and he's a really good painter, too, more abstract, and I kind of thought, it was this middle of the winter, I think, maybe December, I thought, well, that'd be nice. Maybe I should try that. And I Googled uh, local art classes, or I guess painting classes near me. I didn't even know if it should be oil or acrylic. I don't even think I knew the difference back then. Right. And just got got really lucky, and an ad popped up for uh, the Canton Museum of Art. And I just randomly selected a class, and uh, like I said, I really, really got lucky because I had a great teacher he teaches down there although now with COVID I don't think he is right now uh, but his name is Frank Dale uh, he's an 85 86 year old gentleman paints every day he's been painting for 40 plus years and just a, a great teacher and I kind of again got lucky in the sense that um, he teaches the realism uh, you know as opposed to abstract or whatever which I appreciate a little bit, but probably my personality tends towards uh, more realism. I guess the the lawyer in me wants to paint things as I see them, and he's just great at that. And uh, I just fell in love with it. Maybe not the first day, because um, I thought, oh, you know, this will be. Uh, I'm signed up for a painting class, and he has drawing the first day, and I didn't really understand the need for the drawing first. But um, now I do. He kind of makes you draw it out first and paint over it. So. Again, great teacher, and have had other people help me uh, since then. So, 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 it. when did you did when did, when did you you know start to see? Was it when you just did your first drawing? You're, you're like, wow, okay, I could I could uh, you know give you a picture and and say, did he give you a picture or did he have somebody sit down yeah. and 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 or how did it how did it go? Yeah, so he gives everybody a picture. Uh, I randomly got assigned a swan, which probably wouldn't have been my first choice, but then I saw somebody paint an onion, so I guess I saw uh, that swan was maybe better than that, more interesting than an onion. Um, so I drew it out, and, you know, I don't know, maybe your experience in art class as a, a teenager was different than mine, but I honestly didn't know there were different uh, tools. I didn't even know there was different pencils involved. So um, I guess like anything else, once I had the right tools, blending sticks and, and a soft lead pencil as opposed to the number two pencil I think we all used growing up, um, I realized you could do different things with these. And, yeah, I was excited. I, I remember showing off and taking the picture. of It was like, a you know, a, again, a rough drawing of a swan that now I'd be embarrassed of. But at the time, I thought it should be hanging next to the uh, Mona Lisa. So I was, I was pretty excited about it. In fact, I think I 
maybe bored you at a basketball game or a volleyball game or two, showing you pictures of what I did. And, uh, you know, Oh, it's, I, it's, you know, and this is what's amazing is that you, you have a Facebook, uh, you have a Facebook with, with the, with the, uh, the paintings on there. Right. And right, uh, so yeah. if somebody wants to look them up, where, where, where should they go to on Facebook? Oh, that's terrible. I should know that. I think it's, uh, Todd Burger art. That's a pretty creative name, isn't it? Todd Burger. Todd Burger. Yeah. Art, I thought, right? I thought long and hard about that one. Yeah. But you know, so, yeah. it's, I'll tell you, it is absolutely amazing. I mean, it okay. is amazing because you look at it and it, your paintings look like a picture, like a photograph, like a detailed photograph. And I, well, I'm, I'm looking at it going, how do you do that? I mean, because I know you, right? I know you're an attorney. And I knew know that I'm you weren't. Oh. And, what's, <laughs> and, I, and, and, you, and you and I, you know, we joke around a lot. And, yeah. and you told me that you were painting. And I'm thinking, oh, okay, that's nice. You know, Todd's painting, right? And then, and then I saw your, your artwork and I, I thought it was a picture. I thought you were joking. Thanks. I thought you were making a joke, like telling me that this is your artwork and, and you were sending me pictures. And oh, that was the artwork. So it's just incredible that, that um, you know, you could have this talent within you and you just didn't realize it, uh, you know, really for your entire life until you took a class. Yeah. And I learned uh, a lot of important lessons along the way. And one of them was that the first person you paint should not be your wife. I don't know if I ever showed you that little beauty, but um, once again, I thought it was fantastic. First of all, I made the mistake of taking my wife. Uh, she's a school teacher, so I used her, uh, you know, classroom photo, which probably wasn't the most flattering in the world. And I got done with this, and again, I just thought this was fantastic. Uh, you know, I'm it was your masterpiece, right? Yeah, I'm trying to convince her it looks just like her. And anyways, I have it framed, you know, and I put it up on the table in the hallway and. I swear, every time I walked by, this thing was laying face down, and I honestly, I was, I was dumb because I honestly thought somebody keeps knocking this over by mistake, you know, running into the table and it keeps falling flat in his face. Well, here it was her, putting uh, it face down, and now again, I guess with some hindsight, I mean, uh, you know, in shadows on her chin, it looks like she's, you know, like a vampire got blood dripping down her chin or chocolate or something, but. You know, she yeah, did. So, so she it, wasn't as it, she wasn't as enamored with your first no, artwork. No, she wasn't. No, but I think she was. You know, flattered I painted her, but now she'll say something like, "We got to try it again now that I'm now that you're so. now that you're better, right?" Yes. Yes. Oh right. my gosh! And then uh, and so you do a lot of animals too, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, finding a photo is the kind of the hard part too, because I'm, I guess, again, the lawyer in me, I don't want to just steal somebody's photo off the internet and paint that. Um, so, you know, it's tough to find a stock photo that you like, or, uh, you know, that somebody gives you permission. And I've, I've found out, I think every professional photographer that I've approached on Facebook, and, and I don't even know these people, um, Facebook or, uh, another Twitter account or whatever, and said, hey, I really like your photo. Do you mind if I paint it? And everybody has been gracious and said, sure, be my guest. You know, I'd just like to see it when it's done. And there's a uh, lady on Facebook um, that is a professional photographer, and about 90% of hers are, are um, horses, and, and she gives blanket permission to anybody to paint. So, yeah, I started off doing a lot of horses and uh, 
So how no, long does it take? Uh, so so how long does it take for you to do one of the um, uh, paintings? Uh, probably about fifty hours, give or take. It's kind of a long process, and I'm realizing too as I get to know other artists that it's a different process than uh, a lot of them do. But his is called the Flemish technique, and it's basically building up layer after layer after layer. So the first layer, uh, you would. If you saw the process, you'd probably be less impressed because it's a long time getting there, I guess. And uh, I respect a lot of other artists that are just able to do one coat, so to speak, and it looks great. Um, so you just kind of build it up to the point where you look at the picture and you look at the at the uh, painting and you think, okay, that's about as good as I can get it. So it takes it takes a long time. So there's probably about 20 layers of paint, give or take, on their very thin layers, you know, um, so, yeah, and and, and what happens if you shortcut it? I mean, have you tried? Have you experimented with? I, or, or I you... did try one time. I tried. I, I thought, well, my teacher, he's been teaching for 40 years, but he certainly doesn't know what he's doing. Uh, you don't have to. Yeah, you're going to you're going to challenge the system, right? right? You're exactly. going to you're going to challenge it. I thought, I thought well, why should you draw and draw the entire uh, painting beforehand when you're just going to paint over it? So I did half of a painting with the drawing and half of a painting without the drawing. And it was the, the one that looked like, uh, I'm sorry, the one that I didn't draw looked like a third grader had done it. So it was, uh, I really appreciate, I guess it's uh, his process, and he's he's definitely honed it. Wow. And he's so... he's a, just a great teacher. In fact, I don't know if you're familiar with the North Canton uh, show at the Little Art Gallery. It's a mm -hmm. nice show. It's open to all of Stark County. But the last five years, and this is, again, open to all of Stark County, all forms of all different types of art, all media, photographs. 3D, mixed media, things like that. Um, and his students have won the last five years. Really? So, yeah. So he's he's pretty incredible. Well, I'm, I'm sure he's got to be very proud of the work you're doing because it really is impressive work. We're, we're talking with Todd Berger. He's a local attorney. And, uh, in, you know, in his 50s, he decided to take an art class down at the, uh, is it the Canton Museum of Art? Right, Canton Museum of Art, yep. And your teacher, what is your teacher's name? Yeah, his name is Frank Dale, and, uh, and right now I'm also taking lessons from another local artist who's also a uh, former student of Frank's, Aaron Mulligan. Uh, and Aaron, if anybody reads the repository, uh, Dan Kane, I think, has done a number of different articles in her. She's also a fantastic artist, too. Yeah. So, and then, and then how about as far as, uh, you know, dealing with stress? Does it, do you find it to be a stress reliever for you? Well, that was the most surprising thing in all this, um, is that, you know, I'm, I'm pretty anxious, and I don't know if it goes with the territory with being a lawyer. I've, I've heard and read every year we have to take these continuing education classes, and they always stress how um, being a lawyer is one of the top fields or whatever that, I guess, peaks with anxiety and stress and just comes with the, the job. But so anyways, I'm, you know, down there uh, drawing and painting, and I realized that for three hours, I'm feeling great. I'm not worried about the future. I'm just kind of focused on, you know, what I'm doing with my hands, because obviously I don't use my hands very much as, an, as a uh, lawyer. And it just kind of, uh, you're kind of in the moment, and, and it is a great stress reliever. And everybody I've talked to then that's also does the same thing, I can barely finish my sentence. I say, you know what the most surprising thing is? Oh, yeah, how it's, you know, helps with stress. Yes, that's exactly right. So it's been great. That's been a really unexpected and welcome benefit. So you can. So how long are you able to sit and and focus on on your on your painting, like at any given time? 
Yeah, I, I'm good for about two hours, give or take. And then I'll, you know, get up and walk around and, and come back to it. But, um, you know, for me, that's pretty good. I'm kind of a, I, I'm always fidgeting and getting up and down or whatever. So it's kind of nice just to sit there and just focus. Yeah, for two hours. I mean, two, two hours is a yeah. long time to be to be focused. That is a long It time. is. Yeah. So I listen to an audio book or whatever and, and uh, just paint and, you know, like I said, well, I really enjoy it. Well, you know, uh, Todd, again, uh, we're talking with Todd Burgert, and uh, he's a local attorney, and in his 50s, he decided to take up painting. And And if you want to see incredible realism in artwork, you got to go to his Facebook. It's Todd Burgert Artwork. Take a look at this. It's just absolutely amazing artwork. And he just started this, never, never really knew he had the skill, and so, to our listeners, Todd, if if uh, if anybody's looking for a way to relieve stress, or just you know try something new, would you? What would you encourage them to do? Well, the uh, I did not appreciate because I was never into art or anything like that. I probably know the name of one or two artists, uh, Picasso being one, and I would be hard pressed to have named another. So I was not aware of the uh, Kent Museum of Art. I knew it was there, but I'd never set foot in it. And boy, I mean, they have so many great classes. I mean, now I, I'm tempted to take so many different ones. They have painting, they have clay sculpture, they have acrylic classes, they have portrait classes, um, I think jewelry making. I mean, they just have everything you can think of down there for very reasonable prices. And I tell you, it's a nice museum. There's some nice pieces of art. So I think it's one of those, at least for me, maybe, maybe a lot of your listeners have been there and appreciate it. But for me, I hadn't been there, and I really did not appreciate how nice it is and what a nice program they have down there. So they so offer Saturday classes, teen, classes for kids. I see kids down there all the time. So I think it's been – I think it's really good. So they offer classes, I think, three or four times a year. They're usually six-week classes. So if you love them, great. You sign up for another one. I just kept signing up. And if you don't care for it, maybe you can try something else. So. It's very nice. Well, that is, uh, I'll tell you, it's very impressive. And, and Todd, thank you for coming on the program. And keep sure. up the good work. And uh, if anybody's out, out there, yeah, absolutely. We, we'd love to have you back on again because it's just, it's it's really uh, very inspiring to see what people can do uh, with, with talents that they just didn't know they have. So uh, go to Todd Bergert Artwork on Facebook and you can see all the great things that he's doing. And uh, thank you for coming on the program. It's David Held, Saturday morning, News Talk 1480. It's a beautiful Saturday morning. It's 36 degrees, so the temperature is moving up, which is nice. This morning when I was uh, getting out, looking at the car, there is covered with frost, a lot of frost. But there's not any frost on the cars now because that sunshine is out and that vitamin D is available. You know, if you are outside for up to an hour in the sunlight, that you get up to 10,000 to 20,000 units of vitamin D. And vitamin D is really, really helpful in strengthening our mood, strengthening our immune system, also vitamin C. So make sure you take vitamin D and vitamin C. It's very, very helpful helpful in our uh, building our immune system and also our mood. And, uh, you know, when you look at stress and you look at how we uh, can cope with that, 
Uh, if you look at WebMD, they're talking about uh, the top 10 ways to deal with stress. And uh, one of the best ways to deal with stress, any guess, John, what that would be? The best way to deal with stress, uh, exercise. You got it. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> exercise. Because they say that mood follows movement. So when you're moving and you're acting and you're, and you're keeping your uh, body in motion, that that really dictates your mood. If you're sitting there and you're stressed and uh, you're feeling down, simple, simply just trying to change how you think is, uh, you know, they've, they've discovered through research that it's very, very hard to do that. But that if you get up and you start moving, it starts to change your uh, chemical composition in your body. And that's what makes a difference. So if you're laying around on the couch and and you're not doing much, it's better to get up and get moving. And I'm sure you probably felt that when, you know, once you get going. I, I came home the, the, the other night and, as the uh, you know, after work, I'm laying on the bed. I'm looking at uh, my cell phone. It was warm. I was comfortable, and I still had the leaves in the backyard to do, and I thought, eh, maybe I'll do it tomorrow. But I got moving, and once I got moving, felt great. You know, it's like you got to go through that, you got to go through that little, I, I call it the sewer patch. You know, you got to go through the, the, the difficult part first, and once you get going, it's like, ah, this is good. So exercise is number one. Do you find that you like the golf? I do. Uh, getting a little cold to be doing that, but I do enjoy golfing. Um, you know, I mean, sometimes it's weird. Sometimes certain things at work can be a stress release for me. Like I enjoy doing the show. Mm -hmm. I enjoy, um, I, you know, the, the prep for all those things is where the stress comes. Like mm -hmm. the prep for a game, the prep for a show. But once you actually do it, it's fun. You know, for the two hours, for the three hours, you you have a lot of fun, you're not very stressed, and then, you know, you get through it, and then you realize, oh, well, I have to prep some more, and, you know, that's that's where the stress comes from. But I, I, yeah, I mean, golf is golf is probably the number one thing I would do. Um, you know, I the one thing I wish I could do more of was, it's funny that we talked about the arts today with uh, uh, Todd, Todd Berger, Berger yeah. but I wish I could do more uh, performing, like, you know, singing and, and choir and theater and stuff like I did in high school, but there's just... There's no time. Yeah, what kind of what kind of singing did you do? Uh, I was in uh, all of our choirs. I did uh, you know classical singing. I um, performed in our symphonic choir, our men's chorus, our vocal jazz, and our our madrigals. And then I was in all of our um, all of our musicals as well. And you know that's uh, that's something that I wish I could get back now. You know, and and it's something that. Actually, all of my friends and I have talked about it because it's like, you know, for those four years, we were able to always create music together. And, and that's a great way to relieve stress. It is. Cause... So do you still do you still sing now, like uh, just, just on your own around the house? Well, yeah, I mean, I do. But I, I, you know, and I was taking lessons again through like last year. And then, you know, the pandemic happened and, and you know, life happened. And, and you know, before you know it, those so, things. So what's one of your favorite songs? Oh, I I couldn't tell you. I couldn't even begin to tell you. <laughs> I I really couldn't. Um, that's a good one. It's a good <laughs> one. Um, you'd have to ask. You'd have to have my brother on to talk about you know really really top notch stuff because he is an opera singer. Um, 
you know, which is almost the direction I went, but I chose to use my voice in a different way. And it's, it's, it's a good voice. You're communicating news and sports and talk radio. So when we're looking at the top 10 ways to reduce stress, exercise, we know that that is one. That if your mood, your mood follows movement and exercise. And then number two, relax your muscles. You know, they found that a lot of people that when you're on your phone, uh, people tend to, if they're texting or looking at their phone, they tend to hold their shoulders up. And they tend to hold their breath or clench their teeth. That's interesting. That uh, I, do, you, do you do that? I mean, you, it's, some it's, sometimes I do. You know, if I'm if I'm if I am looking for something on my phone, mm-hmm. like if I'm looking for a certain set of news, and and obviously it's not like there's anything going on in the world right now that's newsworthy, like the pandemic or the election. But no, you know, nothing, nothing. No, but like when I am looking for things. Um, you know, or I'm looking for a certain story or looking for a certain take on things and I don't find it. I do kind of hold my breath and, and anxiously wait to see if someone's going to say something. Yes. Like I know, I know watching the election results come in that night. I, I know as much as Pam and I enjoyed being here, it was also like every time we waited for a new batch of votes to come in, it's like when Jim was in the middle of a newscast and like it was, you know, everyone was up or down by a lot, and then all of a sudden in the middle of a newscast, it's like everything shifted in yes. a second. And you could just hear Jim go like, like yeah. oh, like, right. well, what just happened? Right. And, you know, I mean, that's that's the thing is, is it does it does have that effect on you, especially those things that have an effect on your life. Mm-hmm. Those are different than like, you know, what am I going to eat tonight? Mm-hmm. So the other thing is, number three is is breathing. And what's interesting about breathing is that, uh, you know, they're they're talking about two types of techniques that you can, and how you breathe, how that, how that impacts your mood. So one is that if you're taking like 25 deep breaths, right. Mm -hmm. And you're like that. And if you do that in a row, that that actually brings a surge of adrenaline. Yeah, because so, you almost like start hyperventilating. Yes, yes, you're 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 hyperventilating. You're you're hyperoxygenating your body, which brings adrenaline. And so, a lot of times, you'll see athletes. That's what they'll do to get themselves and their body, uh, you know, ready to to uh, you know go into uh, uh, battle, so to speak. And and that's similar to when you take a cold shower. So if somebody goes in, jumps into cold water, you know, just physiologically, what are you doing? You're <laughs> And, and it's bringing that, that adrenaline into your body, which prepares you for that, uh, you know, for, for incredible uh, work or exercise or, or handling a stressful situation. So you can, you can do that. Uh, they're suggesting that you do that breathing, you know, through the, through the uh, you know, do that up to 25 times and how it brings a surge of energy to the body. Now, conversely, a way to keep yourself calm. If you ever noticed, if if you ever saw somebody that was just really, you know, having a crying spell, or even even if you've had it yourself, uh, you know how you will you'll 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 take two breaths where you'll breathe in and you're yeah, and and they say to take a breath and then take a second one and and then you hold it and you blow it out and that actually brings a sense of calm that if you do that once you may have to do it twice or three times and and i'm I'm sure people are probably laughing because i'm breathing on on the uh on the air here but it really is a way to um uh physiologically either bring energy 
to your body through the 25 quick breaths or through the two short breaths, one breathe in and then a second breath. Well, I know that when, you know, cause I, I do suffer from panic attacks and I know that when I get those, you know, I mean, the one thing that I always try to do is, is slow my breathing down, mm-hmm. but sometimes that's not enough. Sometimes right. just slowing your breathing down isn't enough. And I know that there are other things that I'll do like where I have a, I have like a countdown thing that I'll do where I'll look for, you know, you, you go through all of your senses. Cause mm-hmm. when you do that, when you, when you reorient your brain from mm-hmm. where it is, cause when you're panicking, you're like, well, I'm going to die, mm-hmm. you know? And then when you're, when you're trying to reorient your brain, you're trying to tell yourself like, look, like come back to reality. You mm-hmm. know, it's almost like your it's almost like your brain takes you to a place that doesn't exist, which is fascinating that the brain can do that. But you know, you don't realize how powerful your brain is until you suffer some sort of anxiety or panic yes. or something like that. You know, what's interesting, too, is a, a good friend of mine is a, an emergency room physician. And, and I said, how do you bring the stress level down when you have people that are just in a state of, of panic? How do you do that? He said that you ask them questions. Mm-hmm. That when you ask a person a question, it shifts their mind from that. It, shift, it actually shifts the mindset from being you know, very emotional, and it brings it down so that they have to start thinking in order to answer the question. So um, so we would encourage you that if you're struggling with stress, one of the, the top ways that you can get through this is exercise. Just get out and move. You can walk, or if you can't walk, uh, if, you're, if you're, you know, limited to a chair, just move your arms, move your shoulders. That movement in and of itself will bring a, a positive change physiologically to your body. And then it says, number four, you've got to eat well. Eat well, uh, the better you eat. That's going to be helpful. Just slow down, too. Take some time to slow down. Take a break. Number seven, make time for hobbies you can paint, right? Painting. Talk about your problems. Communicate with people. We've got to communicate. No more. We're going to get rid of the term social distancing. Don't social distance. Keep physical distance. Keep physical distance. But reach out. Communicate with other people. Go easy on yourself. And number 10, eliminate your triggers. Whatever gets you upset, you should probably avoid it. Don't be ashamed, too, to go see someone to talk about it, either. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because I feel like there's a stigma around that, and don't be ashamed of that. No, no, no. It's, uh, you know, uh, I, I like to look at it as brain fitness. we got to keep our bodies in shape, and we got to keep our brains in shape. Brain fitness, right? 100% correct. Well, it's been, uh, it's been a great morning this morning, John, and uh, we're going to take a break now. And uh, it's News Talk 1480. It's 37 degrees. It's getting warmer and it's sunny outside. It's Saturday morning, 37 degrees outside. It's nice and sunny. We've got leaves, beautiful leaves on the trees. Most of them are off the trees now, though, and on the ground and ready to be picked up. So a great way to relieve any stress that you're going through is to get outside and move. Some of those piles of leaves, my, where my parents live, because mm-hmm. they, they had someone come and do them for them. I, I wanted to help my dad, but with <laughs> we're all so busy that it's just it's tough to, to make the time. So somebody right. came and did them for him. And um, the pile of leaves that he has in his front yard is the biggest pile of leaves I've ever seen. Like it literally, <laughs> it literally protrudes out into the street. And it's and it's because there are just so many, and he's not the only one. Mm-hmm. You go down the street in Akron, it's like every house is just like 
know, it's, it should be a contest at this point. The Akron should go around and give someone a trophy for the highest the pile, highest of, pile of trees. Because in Akron, they've they're coming around with their leaf backs and sucking them off the curb, right? Yeah, they they eventually do. Yeah, they they eventually will do that. I just don't know. I think in some cases, Akron should say, hey, maybe we should make a special early visit to some of these places. Yes, Because yes. some of them, like, they're a little dangerous, like how yeah. big they are. Well, especially if it, you know, if it rains and then it and then it snows, you've got a pile of frozen leaves. You do, and that's really not fun to deal with. That is not fun to deal with. And you, know, you love Ohio? I love Ohio. You know, for years, I always, I never liked doing the leaves because, you know, the raking, eh, it's just, you know, it's kind of a hassle. Then I tried the leaf blowing, and you know what works the best? Hmm. The best. I, I bought a mulching mower, so it's a it's a Honda mulching 21 inch, and you suck up the leaves, and and then you just keep going over them. And uh, doesn't that like doesn't it like fine like? Yes, it does. Yeah. It does. So so like if the bag's full and you keep going, you kind of lift the front tires and kind of mow over all the leaves that are sitting there and it grinds them up and then you take a second pass and collect them and it's it's like a leaf vacuum i mean it works incredibly well now you fill up the bag pretty quickly but it certainly beats certainly beats raking them in my opinion it's like use the use the mull you know but you got to have the i I think you got to get a mulching mower that kind of sucks it up like a vacuum but you know um I think that, uh, you know, what do do you think that we use this time and we will stop using social distancing like Dr. Tim Collins was encouraging his students and we will use physical distance, stay out of each other's face, but continue to socialize, reach out, communicate, exercise. It'll relieve your stress. This is David Held. You've been listening to Saturday Morning on WHBC and I was here with John Bazika. Have a great, great Saturday.